Good evening. Happy Sunday evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading Numbers 21 in the NLT. But first and always we pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for church. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to die for our sins that we might believe in him and trust in you. Help us to read your word always and to always seek communication with you. Seek your face in prayer, Lord, and listen to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. Your word is a joy. It is a connection. It gives us love and peace in this world that seems to be in circumstances dissipating. Love is growing cold and peace is turning to war. So change our inner Lord that our, our inner selves transform us so that we will not be, um, we will not be uh, defined by our external circumstances, but our inward peace through the Holy Spirit. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I got a little bit of a laryngitis, I guess, from standing outside in the Santa, Santa Claus Parade after being at the uh, Impactus Conference, but uh, it was a fantastic Saturday. Let's read. Victory over the Canaanites. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching on the road through Atharim. He, so he attacked the Israelites and took some of them as prisoners. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Horma ever since. The Bronze Snake. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, so I think that's, as I memory serves, that's where Aaron died, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Oh, here we go again. Why have you brought this out of Egypt? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. So it's a bunch of complaints, complaints. We're the victim. We're the victim. You're not doing enough. We're good. God is bad. Boy, you know what? We hear that every, uh, every day. We hear that all the time. It's just maybe the circumstances or what we're talking about change, but it's the same old thing, doing nothing but complaining. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. It's funny, the snakes. So, you know, the snake, you know, Satan took the form of a snake or possessed a snake in the Garden of Eden, you know, something that is slithery and cunning and sly. And so it's just interesting that God sends these poisonous snakes. And, you know, when you think about it, sometimes when people start murmuring and complaining, they're like snakes because the murmuring and complaining kind of catches on like a cold. You know, it gets into people and it kind of slithers into their head and starts to make them complain too. So it's an interesting imagery, but I do believe this is a real concrete story. That's my opinion, of course. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes so Moses prayed for the people. Kind of sounds like Pharaoh when he would tell Moses, hey, take away the, take away the plague, and then I'll uh, let the people go, and, the, and then he would do that, Moses would do that, and of course Pharaoh would renege. But here it's them talking and saying, please take away these snakes. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Now, you know, listening to my pastor, I realize there's a lot of different words 
um, you know, in, in the language, think words that I don't really am not aware of and have never really learned because I've never gone to a seminary. But I did hear a sermon about this, and the guy who did the sermon, you know, made me think. He says, though, and Moses told them to look. You know, they put this this uh, snake, right? So Jesus is kind of, you know, this is obviously uh, a symbol or a type of Jesus dying on the cross. Okay, so they're, so Moses is making the snake out of bronze, and he's putting it on this pole, and he's lifting it up. But the guy in the sermon was saying that uh, when Moses told them to look, some of them probably could not see it. Like, wherever you are in the camp, wherever you are, turn and look in the direction of where this thing is supposed to be. And some of them probably turned, but they could not see it simply because they were very far away. So they had to believe in faith that Moses had done this and that this thing would work. And then it says, so it says that anybody who's bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So it doesn't say that anybody could look, it, it doesn't really say that people who are looking towards it. It says people could look at the bronze snake, implying that only the people who could actually see it would be healed. But it was a very interesting sermon. It was a very interesting hermeneutic. And I would just tell you, you know, look at this and think about it, you know, with your imagination. Use your mind. You think about the words. Let the Holy Spirit guide you as to what this says to you. But I did find it very interesting that the guy mentioned it. Some people would have been very far away. They would have looked anyways, and they would not have seen it. But on faith, they believed Moses. And on faith, they believed they would be healed. And they were. Israel's journey to Moab. The Israelites next to Oboth, the Israelites traveled next to Oboth and camped there. Then they went on to Lai Abarim in the wilderness on the eastern border of Moab. From there they traveled to the valley of Zered Brook and set up camp. Then they moved out and camped on the far side of the Aaron River. So they're always moving, you know, they're always going. Like it is kind of tiring, you know what I mean? You're always like working, working, working. You know, it's almost like the old covenant. It's almost like you're working, 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 always working. Like there's no rest for you. You don't get to have rest. You're not in the promised land. You're not where you're supposed to be. You know, you're always on the move, always uh, from one place to the other. It's if you have to keep moving because your enemies are chasing after you. So it's kind of a very restless, nomadic, difficult life. And I just wonder if maybe this is a symbol of the Christian life. The Christian life is having peace with God. But Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. You're always moving. You're always on the move. The enemy is always chasing after you, always trying to disconnect you from God, trying to bring you down, trying to tell you that you are no good and that Jesus is not real. And even if he is, he doesn't care about you. So it's kind of, you know, Christian walk is sort of like the walk of these people in the desert, you know, and this world is a desert. It's a desert of goodness. It's a desert of love. It's a desert of joy. There's a lot of joylessness right now. The Arnon is the boundary line between the Moabites and the Amorites. For this reason, the book of the wars of the Lord speaks of the town of Wahab in the area of Subha and the ravines of the Arnon River and the ravines that extend as far as the settlement of Ayr on the border of Moab. I guess this would be more meaningful if we had a map. And I guess it would also be more meaningful if we knew what the book of the wars of the Lord actually was. Because sometimes the scriptures makes reference to other books that we don't have and don't really know too much about. From there, the Israelites traveled to Beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Assemble the people, and I will give them water. Then the Israelites sang this song, Spring up, O well, yes, sing its praises. Sing of this well which princes dug, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. 
Then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded on through Matanah, Nehiel, and Barmoth. After that, they went to the valley in Moab, where Pisgah Peaks, Pisgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. Please um, forgive me for butchering all these words. They're just so really hard. It's not really like you see them. It's a common everyday occurrence. Victory over Sihon and Og. The Israelites sent ambassadors to King Sihon of the Amorites with this message. Let us travel through your land. We will be careful not to go through your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink water from your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. But you got the feeling with the Amorites, you got the feeling it wasn't really going to be a good answer. And you know what? You'd be right about that. But King Sihon refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in battle at Jehaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River. They went only as far as the Ammon Ammonite border because the boundary of the Ammonites, Ammonites pardon me, was fortified. So, yes, Israel has to tiptoe around people, and they don't really get a good response, but here they actually conquered their enemy. The devil doesn't win all the battles. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Israel captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon has been the capital of King Sihon of the Amorites. He has defeated, he had defeated a former Moabite king and seized all his land as far as the Arnon River. So the Amorites and the Moabs, Moabites um, were not exactly friends. Therefore, the ancient poets wrote this about him. Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sihon be restored. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It burned the city of Ar in Moab. It destroyed the rulers of the Arnon Heights. What sorrow awaits you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O worshippers of Chemosh. Chemosh has left his sons as refugees, his daughters as captives of Sihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them from Heshbon to Debon. We have completely wiped them out as far as Nopav and Medeba. So the Israelites are singing a ballad here. You know, I'm reading this book, Battlefield Earth. And of course, Johnny Goodboy Tyler, is, uh, he's, he's got the Scots. The Scots and him are going to try to wipe out the Cyclones. And every time, you know, they win a victory, they start singing ballads. So it looks like Israel is very Scottish here. They're singing ballads. The people of Israel occupy the territory of the Amorites. After Moses sent men to explore the Jazer area, they captured all the towns in the region and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Then they turned and marched up the road to Bashan, but King Og of Bashan and all his people attacked them at Edrei. Boy, they're always fighting, eh? They're always the underdog, always fighting, fighting, fighting. Fighting off the world, fighting Moses, fighting God. Wow, it's tough to be an Israelite. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I've handed him over to you along with all his people and his land. Do the same to him as you did to King Sion of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. And Israel killed King Og, his sons, and all his subjects. Not a single survivor remained. Then Israel occupied their land. They had to defend themselves. It's the same today as it was yesterday. They have to defend themselves. Every nation has a right to defend itself when it is attacked by an enemy. That's true then, and it's true now. God bless you all.
Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful Monday morning.